Good morning and welcome to Spill the Tea. I am your host, Megan Schaffner. Before we begin, here is a little bit about me. I was born in Naples, Florida, but I currently live in Miami. I am a senior at Gulliver Prep and hope to begin my pre-law studies at the University of Miami next year. I realize that this will be a challenge, but my goal is to prepare well by finishing this year with a 4.0 GPA. This summer, I look forward to traveling to new places because I love the adventure of exploring new cultures. Today's special guest is someone who co-founded one of the most successful companies in the world, Mr. Steve Jobs. He is most famously known for co-founding Apple. Jobs was born in San Francisco, California, and was adopted by his loving parents, Paul and Clara. Jobs has two sisters whose names are Mona and Patricia. In 1991, Jobs married his wife, Lauren Powell, and they've had a total of four children together. Jobs characterizes himself as a highly observant, independent, and adaptable person. While working at Apple, Jobs invented the iPhone, iPad, iPod, iMac, and more. However, the road to success was not an easy one. It was very complex and time-consuming. Mr. Jobs has joined us today to answer questions about how he dealt with the complexity of his vision and how he was able to juggle all his tasks in a timely manner. So, Mr. Jobs, in Extreme Ownership, Chapter 7, it talks about being able to determine your top priorities for a mission. Once we know what our top priorities are, we can effectively execute. Was it hard for you to establish your priorities? How were you able to execute your plan and make it into a reality? As you said earlier, I consider myself to be someone who is very organized and neat with their work. Establishing my top Establishing my top priorities for Apple was challenging because I had to go out of my comfort zone and trust a group of people to follow through when I was used to working in isolation. When I was able to develop my trust, it was easy to prioritize because I was no longer working alone. I was working with a group of people who were equally passionate in the end goal to start Apple. I was able to turn my plan into a reality by sharing the responsibilities with the group members which sped up the process. Our dream turned into a reality on April 1st, 1976. Wow, that is great insight. I, too, sometimes have trouble trusting people to follow through with important tasks, but have worked on stepping out of my comfort zone. In Chapter 9, Jocko explains the importance of effective planning. He puts emphasis on looking at the bigger picture of the mission rather than concentrating on every detail. Effective planning, me- planning means being able to simplify our plans. How were you able to simplify your plan to focus on the big picture without having to include all the overwhelming details? It's 2019 and almost everyone has a smartphone in their pocket. Was that part of your plan? Being able to plan is a very important quality to have, but knowing how to do so effectively can be hard. I'm a very detailed person, so simply my vision and plan was a real challenge for me. I had so many ideas and plans which sometimes became overwhelming to my team members. In order to simplify my plan without all the details, I had to figure out what the most important parts of the plan were. To do so, I worked worked with a group of people who helped me eliminate the minor details. I hoped that Apple would become the next big thing, and I think it has. It is evident that stepping out of your comfort zone to trust your team to follow through was an amazing decision. I know I have learned a lot from your responses, and I imagine the audience did as well. Your take on being able to prioritize, share responsibility, and effectively plan has given me insight into some very important leadership skills. I will make sure to implement these skills in my daily life so I can be a better leader. Thank you, Mr. Jobs, for joining us on Spill the Tea today. It was an absolute honor to have you on the show. I can't wait to read the comments from the audience about today's segment. 
hopefully we can have you on the show again sometime in the near future. Thank you for having me, Megan. It was my pleasure to share some leadership skills with you. We have all learned a lot from you today. Well, that concludes today's show. Tune in tomorrow for another Spill the Tea segment. This is your host, Megan, signing off. Good morning and welcome to the Caitlin Hoops Show. I am Caitlin Sanders and here is a little sneak peek about myself. I am a senior and student athlete at Gulliver Prep. I was born and raised in Miami, Florida, and I love my family. Being a student athlete is tough and exhausting. I have to be dedicated and disciplined to find success on the basketball court. I never give up whether we are winning or losing. I always motivate and encourage my teammates to be the best team we can be. In the classroom, I use what I learn on the basketball court to push through challenging moments in class so I can be the best student I can be. Even though it was my last year of high school, I intend to have fun and make it the best year. Today, I'm with the famous Kobe Bryant. Kobe was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but was raised in Italy until he was eight years old because his father was in the Italian professional basketball career. Kobe is known as one of the best basketball players in NBA history. He was the youngest and first guard to be drafted by the NBA out of high school. He was drafted by the Los Angeles Lakers and stayed with the organization for his entire career. Today, we are learning about his journey and how much it took to win five NBA championships with the Lakers. Kobe, since most teammates consider you a leader, how do you make sure you are the best leader for your team? To be a great leader, I had to always be confident in myself and always encourage my teammates to do better. I never brought my teammates down in any way. I had to lead by example. How did you bounce back after a loss and what did you tell your teammates and yourself? After a loss, I would get so angry because I hated losing. And so I would get up the next day, three or four in the morning and just work on my craft and prepare for the next game. My mentality was to destroy everyone and come out with a win. My teammates knew my mentality and some have told me that I motivate them to do better and that made me feel happy. How do you keep the game plan simple for your team? My game plan is just simple. Give me the ball and I'll dominate and take over the game. My teammates understand how I play and how much I'm willing to win so they follow. How do you manage your teammates' anger when they feel that you are not sharing the ball as much as they would like? I honestly don't think I'm a ball hog. I'm just born a shooter by nature and there's nothing I can do about it. So now we know a sneak peek of Kobe and how special his journey was in the NBA. He was a spectacular, provocative, and at times controversial basketball player, and we are interested in what the next chapter in his life will bring. Thank you, Kobe, for coming down and talking about your NBA career and your journey as a leader on the basketball court. It was a pleasure having you. I am Antal Jr. and welcome to my podcast. Before we begin, here's a little about me. I am a senior at the fine institution of government prep. I play football for government. My jersey number is number five. I train hard to be the best that I can be, and I hope that my energy rubs off of my peers. This year is going to be a great year. I've worked so hard to get to this point, not only on the field, but in the classroom. And I have, I think of nothing short but a great year. Today, I'm interviewing Martin Luther King Jr., also known as M.O.K. He was a leader of the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s and really inspired black and white people to rethink the division of segregation and unite as one nation. He, he is mostly known Whereas I have a dream speech that he delivered on August 28, 1963 at the Lincoln Memorial to a crowd of 250,000 people in Washington. At this time, mind you, 
there was no social media. Originally from Atlanta, Georgia, but a citizen of the world, I would like to welcome my friend, my hero, Martin Luther King. Hurry, hurry. Thank you, Anton, for having me today. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Can I ask you four questions, Martin? Yes. Yes, you may ask me these four questions. <laughs> In Extreme Ownership Chapter 2 is about teams that aren't bad. They're only bad leaders. What makes you such a role model and a good leader? I am a role model and a good leader because I believe that the world needs a change. And no one was doing anything about it. So I decided to make the change. Great answer, Martin. Great answer. How did you know or how did you make sure your team didn't fail and movement kept moving? I made sure that they understand what I'm trying to do. Understood that it was a nonviolent protest. Even though they weren't nonviolent with us, we kept moving and didn't stop. That is a great answer. Next question. An extreme ownership, chapter eight. Decentralized command is about trusting your team enough to let them make decisions on their own. How did you get civil rights activists to believe in your cause? I made sure they understood that our cause is bigger than violence. For our cause to work, we all had to commit to get civil rights and equal rights. We were tired of being treated like we don't belong, like outliers. Great answer. How does the decentralized command play a role in the civil rights movement? <laughs> it played a role when we did our marches and our bus rides across the nation. When they would attack us and put us in jail, we had to remember this is nonviolent. This is way bigger than us. This is about our future. This is about the rest of our race. Those were great answers, Martin Luther King. Today was a great day. I got to interview one of the greatest people in history and have him tell me how to be a good leader, how to encourage people to not only trust you, but believe in your cause. Ah, oh, thank you, Anton. Thank you. It's great. It's an honor. Thank you, Martin Luther King, for joining me here today and help me and helping me to understand the perspective of a true leader. I thank you all for joining me today on this beautiful day. And I hope all of you have a great day. This is Anton Hall Jr. signing off. Hello, my name is Angelina and welcome to Real Talk with Angie. I am a senior who's beginning ready for college the big world that is full of new experiences and memories. My intention for this podcast is to further understand Audrey Hepburn and educate others that she was a leader who worked hard to leave her legacy behind. She has taken her time to help children in need in Ethiopia, which is to save them from famine. My guest, Audrey Hepburn, was born as Audrey Kathleen Rustin on May 4th, 1929 in Brussels, Belgium. 
She became a UNICEF Special Ambassador on March 9, 1988, and a Goodwill Ambassador in 1989. Her parents were members of the British Union of Fascists during the Second World War. While she was young, she suffered under the brutal Nazi occupation of the Netherlands. She learned to be a ballerina and used to perform to raise money for the Dutch resistance. She spoke five languages, English, Spanish, French, Dutch, and Italian. Why didn't you take full credit for what you did? I felt as if my name will take away from what I am actually doing. I'm helping from the bottom of my heart. I know how helpful this organization really is. Without them, I wouldn't be here doing what I am today. How do you think the chapter called Check Your Ego in the book Extreme Ownership would affect your situation and if your ego could have hurt your team? If I was an airhead, I wouldn't be sitting here because I would focus more on that than the actual prize, which is reality. Never let your ego come out before the real you or you'll just hurt yourself in the end. When you know your life would have to start over, did you care? Yes, I did, because I would have to work hard again, but I knew I would have the opportunity to correct my mistakes. The work I do gets me places where I have to be thankful for. On top of everything that was going on, what was your highest priority? My highest priority was the children in Ethiopia. The children who needed my help were suffering from drought and civil strife that had caused terrible famine. I go on trips all the time for UNICEF all over the world, but when children are suffering, I would drop everything to take care of them first. Did you ever have second thoughts before executing your plan? I never had a second thought about anything. The process to get to my end result, which is here, was always a first thought. I never sat and thought, what happens if I mess up? Because I am sure that would, that would never have happened. Everything you have said has me thinking. Where do you think you would be if you never worked so hard to get where you are today? I want you to think of that answer. I always think about that because of my podcast. I wouldn't have the opportunity to know people for who they truly are. So thank you, Miss Hubbard, for your time and your commitment to helping the children of Ethiopia to find hope and joy through your overwhelming kindness. Kindness is the best trait to find in someone. Growing up in a hard setting, I know you wouldn't want that for anyone else. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Till next time, this has been Real Talk with Angie. Good morning, fam. Welcome to the Dream Podcast. I am Amin Hassan, and this is where we reach for greatness and dream big. I am a senior in Gulliver's Prep. I play varsity football for Gulliver, and let's just say I'm extremely happy about this about this season so far. We're undefeated. We're starting off pretty good, and we're ending up pretty good. Being a senior this year is a true blessing for me, and I'm actually focused on three of my goals. Being on the honor roll this year. My football goal is to push myself to make first team all day this year. And my third goal is to graduate from Gulliver and make my family proud. So, so far, guys, I'm going to bring you a special guest for you. And we're going to introduce him. And ladies and gentlemen, here is the greatest NBA player of all time, Michael Jordan. Michael, I want you to tell me some facts about your early life playing basketball and other stuff you think the fans may not know about. Well, I mean, I can tell you five facts about myself is I'm a guy who takes a lot of pride in playing this sport. For fans who don't know the inside of me playing this sport was that I went through a lot of adversity with high school on not making the team. 
coach telling me I'm not going to make it to the big level. And that, that's fact. Because I won six NBA Finals Championships. Another fact was doing one of my one of my NBA games, I played with the flu. And that game was still in my head on how I played. Last fact, after after my retirement in NBA, I played baseball for the Chicago White Sox. Chicago White Sox. So, wow, I'm going to watch them play. Watch them clips on YouTube. It'll be nice. Um, Michael, um, a few questions for you about this book I've read about Extreme Ownership. It talks about how good leaders have to be in the mission. And I want to ask you, do you believe that you could become what the NBA has called the greatest player of all time? Uh, it's this chapter, chapter three, believe. I want to ask you that. As you start to become the greatest player of all time, how did you overcome any doubts that may have, or may have aroused you? Well, I mean, I overcome a lot of things just by getting mentally strong and just practicing, practicing, practicing to get better. Okay, good. And for chapter 12, there's another chapter that inspired me about discipline equals freedom. It explains that a great leader shows up when he or she does not feel like it. How were you able to be so disciplined throughout your 20-year career? What are some ways that that you stay that you that you stay so disciplined? Well, I mean, how was I able to be so disciplined? Well, just remember the values my dad taught me to be successful. Some ways were just staying focused, not letting the media get to my head a lot, being clear on my team, helping them find better ways to get shots. And, you know, team meetings, make sure everybody's on time, make sure everybody's there on the team. Okay. And the next, next one is, is discipline equals freedom, the dictator of leadership. How did discipline play a role in a famous 2013 flu game? Well, was, you know, how, how did that play out to you? Um, that flu game was crazy. How disciplined I was with that. I won't. I won't. I didn't want to lose that game. I didn't really want to give up on my team, so I fought through it. And as you watch, still watch on YouTube, we won the game. I fought through it. So, ladies and gentlemen, MJI showed us pride and how on how to fight through adversity, how to fight through anything in his life, flu, anything. He showed us. He showed us a lot of ways how to fight through. Alright, this is the Mean this is the Mean the Dream broadcast. And I just want to say thank you, classmates, for everyone joining joining me. And I'm gonna be signing off. Michael, are there any few words you wanna say? Um, just wanna say thank you, Amin. It's been a pleasure meeting you and talking to you. You know, just wanna let the fans know, everybody else knows listening, don't eat bad food before a game. Peace out, enjoy out. Good morning everyone and welcome to Meeting Max Show. I hope everyone is having a good day. I did, because I watched my favorite movie last night, called Don't Mess With The Zohan. I'm a senior at Gulliver, and this year, two of my goals are training my dog to be a service dog so that I can train him to be the best dog and even travel with him. Also, to excel in my classes, especially in leadership class, because I'm learning what it takes to become an effective leader in this world. 
Here with me is one of the greatest liberators of the United States, Edward Snowden. He dropped out of high school to finally to help financially support his family. His first of several jobs was as a private contractor for the NSA. He discovered several unethical practices that breached citizens' privacy and decided to release this information to the press. This was considered an act of treason, treason by the United States government, and he, he was chased out of his country. Later, found out that there, to later find out that there was a petition in his support with over 167,000 signatures. Snowden told me to tread lightly about this topic, but he has confirmed the rumors of having contact with Russian intelligence since arriving in Russia. Currently, Snowden is under investigation by the U.S. Justice Department for allegedly breaking contracts with the CIA, but has found refuge in Russia since 2017. Now I'm going to ask Snowden a set of questions. Why didn't you go public on your own to have all of the credit for what you did? Because, glory, your credit wasn't what was important to me. All I cared about was that the information gets out there the right way. How do you think the chapter called Check Your Ego in the book Extreme Ownership would have affected your situation and if your ego could have hurt your team? I feel like that chapter would not have affected me because my team was small and they were all there to help me and learn and be open to the truth. And my only goal was to get the information to everyone. It never crossed my mind if I get the if I could get a reward or even sell this information. When you knew your life would have to start over because of what you're going to do or what you did, did you ever care? Some processing, but once I was sure that this had to be done, nothing was going to stop me anymore. On top of everything that was going on, what was your highest priority? Not getting caught before I left the States, because I knew not, not many people knew what the government would have done with me if they actually got to me. Did you ever have second thoughts before executing your plan? There was one time that I really felt like I could just leave everything behind and live a normal, happy life. But then I just kept on finding out more and more secrets so I couldn't help myself from taking a step. Thank you. Snowden has showed us how risky it can be to be a leader, but also how rewarding it can be when a leader makes the right choices, even when it's not an easy choice. Thank you, Ed Snowden, for coming out of exile in Russia to speak to me about your experiences as a leader and taking a stand for what is right.